Sisters, alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen alleluia. You may be seated. This morning I've been given permission to share a story. A story that is very personal to my family and me. A story that I equally hope you will find very powerful. As parents, and we know this, as parents, we are deeply gratified when our children understand things for themselves. You know, when they get it, when they have that aha moment in their lives. Like, for example, when you're trying to teach your son the finer points of the golf swing, explaining the subtle differences between pronating and supinating of the wrists during the strike zone. Have, have I lost anybody there? Well, in any case, the ball starts popping off the club face with the sound of a small firecracker when you get that right. I'll force myself to stop here to spare you non-golfers any more laboring of golf details. How about when you've been the chief editor of your daughter's English papers for low so many years, and one day after the spilling of much red ink and the shedding of not a few tears, she produces a paper that's so good, it just renders you speechless, and you sit back and you just smile. Now, those are personal stories indeed, but they're not the main story. I'm just trying to give a fair and balanced perspective of both of my children when I say those stories. This story starts when I called my son, Caleb, who is a freshman in college, a couple of Fridays ago on the way home from church. Not that I was in any way trying to be one of those helicopter parents that we all hear about, or God forbid, one of those dastardly lawnmower parents. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can see me after church, and I'll explain those terms for you. But you know, and I bet I can get an amen on this, we parents do think it's nice for our kids to hear from us from time to time, right? Amen? We think that's nice for them to hear from us. And so I asked him how his day, how his week had been, and to my utterly unexpected yet very delightful surprise, he spent the next hour and an entire hour talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. With excitement, he talked about how nobody else has ever defeated death. With conviction, he went on about how no other religion can even compare to Christianity. And with fervor, he said that no other religious leader has ever dared to make the claims that Christ made. And then, after talking about the resurrection, he began to work his way backward. And he started talking about creation. Because when you see, when you get the resurrection right, everything else starts to fall into place. He said how odd it is that some people believe that we simply evolved by chance. Because he said in every other facet, in every other area, if we say there's a creation, then there must be a creator. And yet somehow he opined when it comes to the most important creator and his most magnificent creation, he simply couldn't understand why there are those who refuse to believe what seems to be so obviously right there in front of us. And yes, my friends, these were all his thoughts. These were all his words. And as I sat there listening to him tell me these things with the enthusiasm of someone who is having that aha moment, the kind that comes from the heart and not just from the head, well, my heart melted. 
It melted with the kind of satisfaction that every parent knows when his or her child understands a deep truth. Melting with the kind of gratification that any human being feels when he or she experiences the risen Christ in his or her life. Well then, another rather curious thing happened. Just when I thought when we were wrapping things up, when we were finishing things, my son caught the sound of Margie's voice as she was now arriving at home. And he said, as only a son can do, correct me if I get this wrong, uh, dad, put mom on the phone, I got to tell her this too. Did I, did I get that right? Does that, does that sound like a son talking to a dad? Anybody got an amen on that one? And then for another whole hour, he starts going again, telling her everything he told me. And so get this, we, Margie and I, were going to meet some good friends for dinner that evening, and, and there I am, like a good husband, I'm now carrying the phone around as she's getting ready so she can listen to him talk and tell her these things, and then we get in the car and we strike, start driving and he's still talking to her about it, and when we arrive and we park the car, Margie just gets up and walks out and walks inside and he's still talking about it. And I gotta tell you, we wouldn't trade those two hours for anything in the world. I wouldn't trade those two hours for anything in the world. For in those moments and in that conversation, I knew. I knew that Jesus Christ and Christianity were no longer something that Margie and I had done for our son. I now knew that Jesus Christ and Christianity was something that my son was doing for himself. When I called Caleb this past week and I asked him if I could tell this story, I said, son, what brought you to this place? How did you get here? How did you arrive at this place? He said, dad, I got to thinking about the big questions. You know, the ones that we all ask in our lives you know, he said specifically, the ones that we cannot answer on our own, those types of questions. Most importantly, he said, what actually does happen when we die? What, what, what really happens when we die? Does this life that we live and love simply end up in death, or could there be something more going on? And significantly, where do we go? Where do we go to find the answers? Well, like all good millennials, of course, my son went to the internet. He, he went to Google. And before you laugh too much at that, that's certainly better than the eight ball that we used to go to when, when we were looking for answers, right? So he said he got to watching a few videos. One in particular of a guy who used to be some type of new age thinker. You know, the kind that thinks he has some sort of mystical insight into life. Only at some point, again, Caleb's words, as smart as that guy thought he was, no matter how much knowledge he thought he had accumulated, no matter who's the best at one thing or the brightest at another thing, this guy realized that he couldn't defeat death either. He couldn't do it. And that started him on his journey. He had to find out if someone had, if someone could. And that, my friends, is what led him to be a Christian. Why? Because he met the risen Christ. 
he met the risen Lord who had conquered the grave. My friends, isn't that what we're all doing here this morning? Making our journey to Christ's tomb with the women, carrying those same kinds of questions in our hearts. After all, if the one who had performed so many miracles in his lifetime, if the one who had brought others back to life was himself now dead, what hope was left for them, for us? What hope is left for anyone to have? And then now what do we do? What do we do if we are a people who live without hope? Yet stirring within the bowels of the prophets and the Psalms were the ancient promises of God now bursting forth in fulfillment. How Isaiah had prophesied some 700 years before that God would one day swallow up death forever and the Lord would wipe away every tear from our eyes. How the psalmist had once written that the same stone which the builders rejected would one day become the chief cornerstone and it would be marvelous in our eyes. So when the women arrived, they found a stone that had been rolled away. They saw a tomb that was now empty and they heard an angel of the Lord announcing the very victory of life over death. Do not be alarmed, he said. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Go, go and see for yourself the place where they laid him. And now my friends, I have to tell you simply because I haven't had the opportunity to preach this sermon since we went to Israel last January, that pilgrimage that so many of us made to those very same places, I would like you to come with me for just a moment to the holy city. Come with me for just a moment to the holy city, to the places where Christ himself stood. Walk on the very stones that have been preserved for 2,000 years now. The very stones where Christ himself walked as he made his way down to the Garden of Gethsemane, as you can see the Mount of Olives up there. And he prayed for us. And he was betrayed for us. Stand now on top of the Mount of Olives with me and see the thousands and thousands of graves that are cascading up and down the valley. Generation after generation after generation of moms and dads and brothers and sisters and sons and daughters who have died and now their bodies lay there waiting, hoping for a resurrection to come. Draw near with me into the church of the Holy Sepulcher. Stand with me at the place where Christ himself was crucified on a cross. Look down with me at the place where his dead body lay as they took him down off the, to- off the cross. Enter with me now into the area. The area where the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea once was. Even go inside with me to the holy sepulcher. See the stone where his dead body once lay. And if you can see those hands in the corner, that's my mom. That's my mom. 
Think of the foresight of St. Helena who preserved the actual site underneath all of this where only a few people get to go and see for scholarship purposes. And the point of all of this is that he's not there. He's not there. For as the Apostle Peter testifies in the reading this morning, we are witnesses of all that Jesus did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, how he went about doing good and healing all oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Peter goes on, he was put to death by hanging him on a tree, and then God gloriously raised him on the third day, making him to appear, eating and drinking after he rose, and commanding us to preach this good news to all people. My friends, what do we celebrate today? Today we celebrate the most important day in all of human history. Today we celebrate the most important day in all of human history. The day that Jesus Christ conquered the grave by his glorious resurrection. The day that we place our faith in him and him alone because of this fact. Not only my son Caleb, not only billions and billions throughout time and space, but also the Abel family who are about to have their daughter baptized. Because that's what we do Because that's what we do. When we realize that we cannot answer our own questions, and when we fully, finally turn to the God who can, then we immerse ourselves in him. Our whole self, our body, our mind, and our soul, that's what we're doing here this morning, immersing ourselves in the victory of life over death, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ who is worthy of our worship because Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who has defeated death. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia.